So this afternoon we're going to continue the development of the Brahma Viharas by cultivating the heart quality of compassion or karuna. I think we've said a little bit about uh, the Brahma Viharas, especially metta, loving kindness, which we've been developing. We use that as our foundation Brahma Vihara because it's so malleable and responsive can meet any situation. Its basic wish is for happiness and well-being. Uh, A gesture of friendliness or acceptance towards ourselves, towards others, towards experience. And its proximate cause is opening to the goodness, seeing the goodness that there is in ourselves, in others, in the world. And so it has this emphasis on friendliness, um, well-wishing and goodness, really delighting in the goodness. So it can be a very uplifting quality, but again, if it meets suffering, it can respond with kindness and compassion. If it meets real happiness and delight, it also meets that with joy and it has the balance of equanimity. With compassion, we're deliberately turning to what's difficult. And this is both challenging, but also so important, because the first noble truth, which says there is suffering in life, our practice with that truth is to understand it. And the more we're able and willing to turn towards suffering ourselves and others in the world and find some capacity to hold that, some resilience, some strength, some uh, uh, ability to stay embodied even as we're opening to what's difficult. This is a, uh, an amazing capacity to develop. But the challenge is, of course, meeting and staying open to the suffering where we deliberately turn to or choose beginning the practice, someone we know and care about who's struggling right now. And then we gradually expand that through the different categories of beings just like we've used in the metta practice. But I'm going to keep it fairly simple today, just starting with someone we care about who's struggling or suffering, not the most challenged person because it's so easy to get overwhelmed and then we fall into uh, the near enemy of compassion, which is pity or grief or overwhelm, where there's a caring but it's being held at a distance. There's actually some aversion in the caring, some unwillingness to be fully open. The far enemy of compassion is wishing ill, wishing harm upon another. Um, but I think for most of us, the near enemy is, is usually where we may find ourselves if the, if the compassion isn't available. And even though the classic uh, near enemy is pity or grief, I actually think it's fixing. It's trying to fix whatever the problem is so I don't have to feel it, so this other person doesn't have to feel it. But it's that same pulling away from being with 
the truth of what's happening, which is this is really difficult. This is painful for this person, for myself. And so in these practices, we stay in tune with, we, we notice these sometimes subtle, sometimes strong pushes and pulls of the heart. And the practice is, can I keep coming back to this essential wish, which in compassion is basically some variation of, may this suffering be ended. May you hold your suffering with compassion. And if you, if, um, remembering comes better with reading on page four of the study guide. There's just a, a few phrases suggested for compassion. And I think we've ha- answered this question before where we just very simply use one phrase. You can use two or three if that helps, but traditionally it's just one. And so in the handout, in the study, in the reference guide, um, there are phrases like, may you be free of your suffering. Or may you hold your pain and sorrow with compassion. Or I care about your pain and sorrow. All different ways of saying, I'm with you in this. Compassion means to feel with. It's an empathy. It's an ability to open ourselves to the fullness of someone else's experience and not hold it separate. But actually say, I feel this with you this heart, this sadness, this sorrow, this illness, this injury, this hurt, this loss. So there's a real tenderness in the compassion practice, but compassion itself is not a suffering state. It's a state of great responsiveness, but like the other Brahmaviharas, also needs to be balanced with equanimity, that we can most ably help someone, support someone, if we can stay embodied and connected. If we get lost and overwhelmed into fixing or grief or aversion, then it's not compassion. And if, we're, if we fall into our own suffering, also again, not compassion. So it's a matter of just finding our way in all these practices of what supports with this intention, this intention of compassion, what supports us connecting, opening, softening. So keeping it simple with this one or two phrases that might meet your expression of caring for this other being or for yourself. So we'll start with what we call in this practice the suffering person. Um, It's someone who you care about who's having a hard time. It doesn't mean that everything in their life is difficult. It could just be one, one area where there's some loss or some grief, some illness or injury. Perhaps it's a challenge economically. Perhaps you know they really feel the weight of the world the social injustice, the economic injustice, climate change, whatever it is, climate change. And you know their heart is really tender and burdened with opening to how much suffering there is in the world. So it can be anything like that. As I said, helpful as we just want to get a taste of this practice, not to choose someone where there's a huge amount of suffering, where it might more likely pull you into overwhelm but just someone you know where there's struggle, 
difficulty, challenge. And it would be helpful for you to be able to hold them or meet them with compassion. So we begin the practice as we usually do. It's by settling into the felt sense of the body, allowing ourselves to soften and come into stillness with a great deal of care and gentleness. What supports the body, mind, heart coming into alignment here and now? Using your breath, if that's helpful, to bring that sense of openness. Perhaps it's more a sense of space, awareness that brings you this sense of connection, of softening, of allowing, whatever works. And then bringing into your heart this person who you care about, who you know is struggling, has some challenges at the moment. And again, part of the skill of this practice is how best to do that. Is it a visual image of the person, a felt sense, a memory associated with them, the sound of their voice, something that helps you connect? we take a few moments to really open to the fullness of this person, their situation, their challenge. So we're not pulling away from this difficulty, this suffering, but we're really opening ourselves to say, yes, this is how it is for you. And I care about this. I care about you. So out of that connection and caring, knowing and naming what's difficult for this person, knowing it's not the totality of who they are, things might be going well in other areas of their life, but we open with tenderness to this, this sorrow, this pain, this difficulty, this loss. And then we offer a phrase of compassion. Can whatever speaks to you, Just simply may your sorrow and pain be eased. Or may you hold your suffering with compassion. I care about your suffering. I'm here with you. Some variation that makes a connection between you and this person and their difficulty. Finding a rhythm with the phrase or phrases that allows the feeling to be what's predominant, the caring. So we're not just repeating the phrases, the words mechanically. You may find attuning them with the breath. That on an in-breath you find the relationship, the caring with the person, and then you offer the phrase on the out-breath. And then you notice, what's the response? What's this feeling in the heart? 
compassion is often described as the quivering of the heart in response to suffering. It can be a felt sense of tenderness, of empathy, of care. So just continuing with this connection to this person, getting in touch with your caring for them, your compassion for them, offering the phrase, but staying alive, what's here in the heart? Does it pull away a little bit out of fear, worry, you'll be overwhelmed? Does it move forward into wanting to fix out of aversion, take this suffering away, I don't like it, it shouldn't be there, it's not fair. We just stay present to what's real and true as we keep coming back to this intention towards caring and compassion.
What's the feeling of compassion? What's present for you right now? Noticing any contraction, pulling away, leaning forward. Holding this person with respect, but opening to what's difficult for them. And now if you feel ready in the traditional sequence, we begin to develop compassion for ourselves, our own suffering. This is suffering that we're intimately connected with but can often overwhelm us or be so difficult we repress or deny the felt sense. I really appreciate uh, a way of practicing with self-compassion developed by Dr. Kristen Neff, Mindful Self-Compassion. She's taken uh, the traditional practice and, and give it, given it a shape that's really helpful. Some of you know this practice, so I invite you into it now. In this practice, we open to what's difficult for us right now. Again, it could be some pain or injury in the body, some illness, something that's really challenging us physically. Could be some heartache or loss, place of fear, worry or anxiety. Not getting lost in the story about this but the felt sense of this is really dukkha. What is that for you? And just letting yourself feel the tenderness around that. Can we open to the truth of this this struggle, this pain, this worry, this fear, whatever it is? And then recognizing it. This is a moment of suffering. This is really hard for me. This is painful or scary. I feel lost. Whatever it is, this hurts. This is opening to the truth of suffering. 
It's hard. But this is a doorway to actually understanding the nature of suffering. Our suffering, others' suffering. Being in it. Very gently, very tenderly, getting in touch with what's difficult for you, what's alive for you, and then meeting it with kindness. This hurts. This is painful. Reminding yourself to breathe with this. Holding yourself with great kindness and compassion. And then she brings the wisdom in, which says, this is what it is to be human. There's dukkha, there's suffering. In every life, there is suffering. In my life, there is this suffering. But I'm not alone. There are other people feeling something like this, experiencing something like this. This is a universal truth. Everyone struggles, perhaps in different ways, but there are so many people who have, who have similar challenges. So this sense of broadening out, not being alone in your suffering, in your struggle, but this is what it is to be human. And again, breathing with this, the tenderness of this, the truth of this. And if it speaks to you to perhaps put your hand on your heart, two hands on your heart, giving your, clasping your hands together in that gesture of friendship, a self-hug, a self-rub, whatever speaks that the human touch in a gentle way is so healing. We know it's our touch but the warmth and the softness can speak to us. And then we ask ourselves, what would help me meet this moment of struggle, of suffering? What can I offer to myself? In our practice this afternoon, it can just simply be one of these phrases of compassion. May I be kind to myself or patient, or forgive myself. May I be strong and resilient in the face of this difficulty. Or may I give myself the compassion that I need. Bringing all these pieces together, the recognition of the suffering, The fact that this is what it is to be human, you're not alone. The holding of yourself with tenderness and the response, what comes, what comes naturally. Breathing and opening, 
to this difficulty with great kindness, great compassion, a willingness to be with yourself in this difficulty, not minimizing it or rationalizing it or denying it, This is your truth right now, this struggle, this pain, this loss. Our practice is to be with and in that experience, noticing if we get pulled into story, overwhelmed by the emotion, seeing if we can come back, begin again. or if there's resistance or fear, we breathe with that. We feel compassion about that. So again, exploring your way with self-compassion. Whatever feels true for you in this moment.
You might choose to stay with self-compassion, holding your own heart tenderly. Again, traditionally we can move through other categories of beings, the friend, the benefactor, the neutral person, even difficult. Perhaps there's some else, someone else who you care about, who you know is struggling. You'd like to spend some moments caring for them. So again, see what feels right. But I also would like to invite you, if it feels something you can open to, to just do what we call the radiating Brahma-vihara, like the chant that we often do in the evening. I will abide pervading one quarter with a heart imbued with compassion. So not singling any one being out, but just recognizing there is suffering, so much suffering in this world. Can we tap into that tenderness, responsiveness of the compassion, and without a lot of story, just let that emanate to the front, to the side, back, above, and below. This tender holding of this struggling world, this suffering world, with compassion. Again, the breath can really help the sense of emanating and radiating, staying embodied and balanced as we express this sense of caring to all beings in all directions, without words. Use the words if they're helpful, but just this vastness of expression, boundless compassion, all beings everywhere.
So the other teachers may have talked about why we offer the Brahma-viharas on a retreat like this. But I'll say my version, which is, we've mentioned that these are also concentration practices. They collect and unify the mind around, in this case, the intention towards compassion, but for each of the Brahma-viharas. The steadiness of the wishing, the phrases, can really um, form a powerful shaping of the mind. And as a concentration practice, I always consider it a two-for-one because you get the concentration benefits and power as well as the deepening of this capacity of the heart. I also think they give our hearts, our minds, more resiliency, responsiveness. We've used those words a lot, that the, the, the samadhi can develop that. Well, this is a great support for that responsive, malleable, um, resilient way of being with experience. It also warms the field, lets us know what's important. It's not getting states of deep absorption, but really, can we be fully present in our lives for our own experience and for the experience of others? So informs a lot. Uh, the rest of our practice. And so it's for each of you to use as is supportive. Sometimes people um, open to the compassion practice and they know that's where the heart needs to go. There's just such tenderness, this being such a difficult time, that just to meet it with compassion feels supportive. So you can do more sessions. It's nice to do another sitting or a walking with one of these Brahma-vihara practices, so you develop it on your own. But especially the self-compassion. It's really helpful when you're struggling, if something's difficult. It could be something temporary, just, you know, the knee is hurting from sitting. And just to meet that with compassion instead of resistance or fear. So use it to support your practice. And as I said, this resiliency, compassion, is, in, is responsive, but it's not a suffering state. It doesn't get pulled out of balance. We will. We will get pulled out of balance in, into grief or overwhelm or sadness. But the practice is to recognize that and know what, what's supportive of coming back into balance. The archetype for um, compassion is the, the bodhisattva of compassion, Kuan Yin. There's a beautiful emanation of her at the back altar. There's actually two, um, but the one on the left is, is a Kuan Yin who's sitting in what's called the posture of royal ease. And whereas the Buddha is typically um, depicted like this, with, in this case, the earth-touching mudra, but he emanates... Um, equanimity and wisdom, the stillness, the clarity in that posture, in that gaze, in the mudra. Kuan Yin, in the posture of royal ease, sits like this. And I love that posture. It said that she's, she's relaxed, she's alert, and she's ready to respond. The movement of compassion is to wish the suffering to be ended, to respond to the suffering. But she's also in balance. It says she hears the 10,000 cries of sorrow, the 10,000 cries of joy. 
her heart responds, but it stays in balance. So this, this gesture, this posture is helpful as you're practicing compassion. There's responsiveness, but settledness, equanimity at the heart of this opening to what's difficult. So again, the felt sense, you just kind of keep tuning in. We, it's like tuning in a radio station and you'll get some static, you'll get some other, you know, song, music coming in, that you don't talk radio, no, no, not talk radio. Back to just this soothing connection of compassion. So just keep checking the dial and this embodied sense of the responsiveness, the uprightness, the ease of compassion. So bring it in as is useful for you. And as I said, the phrases are there in your reference guide. So my apologies, I forgot to bring my mask in. It's the first time, so I will quickly exit. And uh, I'm sure you'll, I'll be safe, you'll be safe for this few Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.